Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Film Odyssey Podcast, where me and my brother truck through cinema on a quest to find the best films ever made. This season, we begin our journey by counting down the AFI Top 100 Films of all time. So come and join us as we talk about Sunrise, A Song of Two Humans. So, uh, Randy, we get up to watch a 1927 silent film today. Thoughts? It was was pretty good. It was pretty good. I liked it. Yeah, it was a lot better than I thought it'd be. Really? A little bit. I... You know, 1927 silent film. You didn't have high hopes? Uh, silent, usually silent films aren't totally my bag. There's like a handful. I'm like, okay, I like them. And this one, I was like, all right. It's directed by the same guy that did Nosferatu. I like Nosferatu. Then I watch it and I'm like, no, this movie's beautiful. Yeah, it's really pretty, actually. Yeah, honestly, it's... um. I would honestly recommend like photographers or just any cinema person watch this. Like, out of the gate. You think so? I think so. I think just how it uses, like, visual language is really, really advanced for 1927. It feels kind of modern in, like, weird ways. It does, yeah. I I would have to agree. Like, the way, like, he's, like, sitting on the bed thinking about, um, the other girl, you know? The, and the, it, like, the super... Harlot from the And city. it superimposes, like, her, like, caressing him and stuff. Like, that was good. When they have the fantasy about the city and it, like, superimposes over them, like, a literal daydream. Yes. And I was like, there's some, like, really interesting shit going on here visually. And it's, like, there's barely any title cards in the movie, mm-hmm. which is another weird thing. I think there's, like, ten, maybe. Yeah, that sounds about right. Honestly, they're still able to convey, like, what's going on in the movie pretty easily. Yeah, honestly, most of the title cards were almost, like, I didn't, I don't think we really needed all those title cards. I'm like, you, you can almost watch this without any title cards and you get all the context. Yeah, well, kind of, kinda, break- but there's like those flashbacks at the beginning. Yeah, which I, are guess, kinda... I guess the flashbacks at the beginning are a little, little sketch. You need a setup for those. Mm-hmm. But other than that, I mean, movie's really good. They're really good, yeah. Uh, where do you want to start on this one? Well, I mean, we haven't even gone over the plot. Oh, well, the plot. Uh, be ready for this. It's about a man and his wife. We get torn apart by the woman from the city. And when he tries to kill his wife to be with a woman from the city, he can't go through with it. And then the two of them go off and rekindle the romance in the city. And then shenanigans ensue. Yep. But kind of. Yep, yeah, basically. But, but basically. Well, the wife almost drowns at the end. Almost drowns at the end. You know, comes back because, you know, we have to have a happy ending. Yes. Actually, this was back in 27. They didn't need a happy ending. They wanted a happy ending. They wanted a happy ending. Wanted it. Yeah, this is before we had all the censorship boards and shit. Mmm, I see. Yes. But, yeah, uh, this one's directed by F.W. Murnau. He directed Nosferatu in 1922, so like five years before this. And, unfortunately, he dies about four years after this, in 31. Okay. So, this is his first Hollywood film. And this one actually bombed so bad it almost killed his Hollywood career. Really? Yeah, but it had probably the best critical reception of any film on our list so far. Oh, really? Because out of the gate, people said, this is a masterpiece of cinema. Really? On release, people were like, this is the greatest film of all time. Wow. Yeah, it wasn't like, oh, Rediscovery, it's out of the gate. People were like, this movie's amazing. It also almost disappeared from existence. The hell? So... This is a weird thing about a lot of film studios and cinema, but a lot of studios just catch on fire for no reason. 
are films that flammable? Back then they were. They made on the fucking nitroglycerin. Mm, shit. All right. <laughs> but yeah. So the Fox Studio lit on fire and it burned the original negatives. They were able to kind of jerry rig it together from a bunch of thirty-five prints from a bunch of theaters. Okay. And got like, a complete like you film. Do. Like like you do. So they were able to like find the film. That's why our transfer that we watched today looked a little. Eh, iffy in some bits. Yeah, sure. You, you can tell it was a you know run through a, a washer once or twice. <laughs> run through a washer. I don't know if it was that bad. But yeah. Um. Other than that, this is also the first film to. I guess it's the only film to win the Academy Award for Unique and Artistic Picture, which at the time was a parallel award to the Best Picture, and it also won the first Oscar for Best Actress and Cinematography. Wow. Yeah, this, this movie had high praise. A lot of high praise. So, the actual movie, though. Anything on the actual movie? Well, I thought you were going to say something. <laughs> I was waiting for... I was pause champing for whatever pause you were about champing. to say. No, I'm, just, I'm, just, I'm, <laughs> I'm throwing it back to you, Randy. You know, I, I did the drum solo, and I'm throwing back to you to, to pick up. Oh, oh. Yeah. Well, I didn't hear any drumming. Take it, Scotty. <laughs> Take it, Scotty. Well, I mean, the movie is just very visually appealing. It it has a lot of a lot going for it for a movie from the nineteen twenties. Yeah, I mean, I've seen worse edited movies on this list already, and this movie came out it, like fifty years before those movies did. Yeah, this movie also pure visual storytelling. There are movies now that can't do it nearly as well as this movie. Oh gosh, no. Which is kind of. I almost want to say shocking to a point because this movie is getting close to a hundred years old. Well, I think this movie just does it so well because you know it's a silent movie; it has to show and not tell a lot. Yeah, you know, it gets very few title cards to just t- straight up tell the audience what's happening. That was actually an intentional choice by Murnau. He fucking hated title cards. Did he really? Thought they were a, a scourge of cinema. A scourge of cinema. <laughs> FYI, cinema as a dramatic art form. I'd only been around for like six years, and this guy was already a film snob. <laughs> this motherfucker, already a film snob. Well, I mean, I can see why. He was so far ahead of, you know, probably, Honestly, probably the average at the time. I mean, I, I don't know what the average 20s film looks like. It's pretty above average. <laughs> yeah, Damn okay. above average. I mean, yeah. I mean, this li- this movie is even higher on um, the BFI's list. Yeah, on this list, it's at 82. On the AFI list, it's at 82. But on the BFI list, it's at number five. Yeah. Is this the best movie we've seen so far? I'm not sure about if it's the best movie we've seen so far, but here's down on the AFI breakdown. No, 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 but we no, we can we can talk about it right now. Okay, so this this I'm not going to say is the best movie I've seen so far, but for its time probably the best movie I've seen so far of its era. Of its era. Well, it's just like um cuz you expect the movies to be able to like do more as more time goes on. Mm. Like Toy Story is an entire movie made out of CGI. Like there there's not even a speck, a hint of that in the in F.W. Murnau's like mind to do an entire movie out of only special effects. You know, it's it's not a thing. <laughs> yeah, but you know, we expect more from these movies as time goes on. And so, Sunrise, it's like it's a silent movie. It'll sound like sound in movies isn't really like a thing yet. I mean, this movie has like a score. This is technically the first film to ever have a synced score to the picture. So the score oh, was really? actually recorded like recorded for the, from the studio, sent out with the film, and they um, played it with the film. Ah. It was a real sync score. It's the same thing they did with the Jazz Singer. Uh-huh. And this predates the Jazz Singer by about two weeks. This is 
technically what sound would have been like if the jazz singer didn't decide to sing talking. Oh, okay. I that, see what you mean. Yeah, jazz singer decided to do like dialogue bits with its music, and in um, Sunrise did it with like, oh no, we're just doing this full orchestral score and all this stuff through the film, and yeah. it's sent out with everybody. We're not giving people sheet music. Yes, and the music in this is also kind of banging. It's it's really good, but I mean, I'm just saying, like, um, this movie for its time is probably the best movie we've seen on the list so far for its era, for what it had access to, like just blown out of the water just amazing for its time yeah so do you ever watch silent films do you have any context of silent films at all not particularly no i don't i don't even know when if i've watched another silent film have i watched another silent film uh do you ever well okay you ever seen phantom of the opera the silent version no <laughs> uh Captain and dr caligari nope metropolis no i'm running out of shit real quick uh, uh... <laughs> i've I've not seen basically any silent films okay well, this was a good introduction it was it was good although I'm, i kind of doubt that there's going to be nearly as many other silent films as good as this i mean there are more famous ones which is weird like metropolis who that's done by fritz lang the same guy that did m yes that one's probably one of the most famous silent films i mean aren't like charlie chaplin movies oh oh yeah lo- all the charlie chaplin movies are yeah city lights great Di- uh, well great dictator is not a silent film but like city lights modern times uh, Gold Rush, all those are great. You ever seen any Charlie Chaplin? No, I'm gonna am nah, I, nah, just nah. maybe a bit. Nah, I, I, of course. Okay, well, uh, the reason I ask is the acting in this is so different than acting now. But I found it like it's not really... that different. Are you sure? Yeah, because I feel like their their movements are a lot different, right? I, I think they're, they're like, a little portraying. exaggerating a bit, but like not as much as I would expect. It feels a lot like theater. Yeah. Right? Where they're, it feels like they're trying to, like, pantomime to the back row a little bit. Well, they're just trying to make sure, like, the message gets across, right? Mm. Like, uh, I think it's probably, like, compared to, like, other silent movies. Obviously, I haven't seen very many. But yeah. I'm I'm saying that probably compared to other silent movies, it's probably dialed back a bit. You'd think Because so? they have that score behind them to, like, kind of, like... Relay yeah. a lot of emotion. Yeah. Which, I mean, they they do a good job with the score relaying emotion in this movie. Especially, like, when he's calling out to the ocean. And there's an actual, like, musical cue. Yeah, there's, like, a horn that, that goes with, like, his calling out to the ocean. I guess the acting in this is a, probably a little bit more, or a little less big than other silent films. But, you know, they're very engaging in their yeah. performance. And But the other thing is music and these actors syncing up so well. Like, music in cinema people say that you know half the movie is the sound and this kind of really portrays that because i can't imagine how this movie would play without the score i don't know if it would play nearly as well you said it could play well without the title cards well why not without the score dude the score is so instrumental of this it's called the song of two humans not the not the true. pantomime of two humans. <laughs> Shut the fuck up but no, no that is true it, it is a song of two humans but I think it could work without it, but, like, it's one of those things where it's like, but why would you? Yeah. It's like, why would you do the movie without title cards? It's like, why do that? You know, it's people do, like, boast about some movies. Oh, you could watch this movie without without any sound and you would, like, understand it and whatnot, but why? <laughs> to, to flex. To show that you are a superior cinematic artist. Sorry. Cinematic was, snob, I was really. doing my, my Murnau impression. Oh, okay. You know. 
He's he's a very weird German guy. He's kind of like um fucking Werner Herzog. Really? Pure cinema. Pure cinema. Yeah. But um yeah. Actually, I have no idea what Murnau sounds like. I, I was think, about to say, you know, were there recordings of this man? I have man? no fucking idea, to be honest. Oh, now that I think I've been about baited. It. I totally believed you. Uh, Goodness. But yeah, um, I don't know. Where do you want to just, like, break down? Because there's, like, real themes in this. Unlike, like, Titanic, which was probably a little... Light. Which is weird, because it was a three-hour fucking melodrama. <laughs> but, I mean... I liked it, but this It was a little light themes. on the themes, and the themes were pretty, like, obvious. You know, they were all, like class base and whatnot well this one is like a lot about like um straight up love right love temptation yes rekindling of romance it it's trust trust a lot of about trust passion yeah because okay the man in this uh, yes the character known as man well there's man and wife and woman from the city <laughs> yes so man um is he a fucking psychopath because he strangles a lot of bitches in this movie. He, I don't think he's a psychopath. He's just, uh, he, he's at a crossroads in his life, you know, and doesn't know what to do. And Wayne Brady choked About two, to choke a bitch. He choked, he choked two bitches in this movie. He did choke two bitches in this movie. One yeah. of them deserved it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, that hoe from the city definitely deserved it. Mm-hmm. And, th- but that's the other thing. The woman from the city, she comes okay, so, in. So, let, let's break it down real quick. So, okay. the man... He's got his wife and a child, right? Yeah. But there's this woman from the city who's come recently. She, I guess she's there for, like, work, but she's supposed to return to the city at some point. I think it's vacation. I think they point out that she's here for vacation, but no, no, she's saying too it's not vacation. Long. I thought it said vocational. No, I think it said vacation. Did it say, okay, I was so confused the whole movie. I was like, vocational? Like, are they, <laughs> she's working there or something? I want, want to, Randy's 45 minutes in the movie. He's like, what's this bitch's job? Wow, what is she doing? But, okay, so vacation. So, the, the lady from the city, she vacations in this, like, quaint... It looks like a like an, uh, a European like little town. It looks like a village or a yeah, homelet. like a village or something. But I mean, I'm assuming this is taking place on like the northeast of the like the United States or something. It, I'm not really sure because it was all filmed on a on a soundstage or a backlot. Oh, Fox oh, okay. Well, yeah. It looks really good for a backlot. Yeah. Oh no, dude. Old school studios were like real fucking good yeah it, i i thought they were shooting on location for for a lot of that no dude all the all the city was an entire um soundstage or back lot uh wow. the village was also back lot. i think even the lake was done on the set on like studio grounds too wow it's, that's pretty impressive actually it's the reason why you come to hollywood jesus but so anyways so it takes place in like this little village right mm-hmm and this woman she somehow infatuates the the man you know and is trying to convince him to like leave his wife right mm-hmm. you know come with me to the city and he's like but what about my wife and she says well can she be drowned and then we have that cool effect right where where the fucking title card when it says drowned it like melts down and like it's sunk underwater yeah that should look cool by the that way. was cool that was, that was neat <laughs> i was like oh oh this this guy okay he's doing some shit Murnau knows what's up <laughs> but anyways so that that's basically the the setup for the beginning of the movie and then you know the man he's very torn between his wife and this you know lady from the city mm-hmm. he takes his wife out onto the lake and then he's about to to drown her, to throw her overboard, and then decides he cannot do it. Yes. Rows to shore, and she runs from him, and he catches up to her, and they end up having, like, this um, 
thing where like they don't know what to do you know the the woman like i like the man's kind of like trying to like find a way to like have her forgive him and the woman she doesn't know what to do, don't know what to do she's a nervous wreck she's trying to like get away yeah and it's like she still loves him but she doesn't know what what to do now that he's willing to go that far for somebody else yeah and so she's trying to like leave but he catches up to her and they like end up stumbling into like a like a a marriage ceremony and kind of like rekindles their love for each other you know they mm-hmm. kind of like realize like what have they done or like he realizes like what have i done you know like i i shouldn't have done any of that kind of things i mean there's no title cards for any of this but i kind of like assuming from like what we've yeah, seen on yeah. screen you know that he kind of like um he breaks down and then they, they kind of have this like romp through the city together like rekindling their love they go back to the village over the the waters and suddenly Dun, dun, dun. The plot strikes. Deus Ex Machina strikes. Oh, yes. The <laughs> wonderful Deus Ex Machina. The storm. <laughs> the storm is suddenly here. Poseidon has risen. Yes. And uh, the boat gets overturned. The woman is presumed lost in the lake or ocean or whatever the fuck. Whatever it's supposed Large to be. Large body of water. <laughs> as he is washed ashore, he calls, well, help me find my wife. And the hoe from the city is like, ho, you drowned her for me. Yes. Now, well, she's like watch. She's watching from like the. She's like a gargoyle perched on top of some log or some shit. Which which is such a like a ominous image because she's this that woman goes from being a temptress and just almost like becomes abstracted visually from being like even like like a normal person. She's up in the tree. She becomes this like weird like figure near the end of the movie, and it's I love it. And so the. They go out on the lake to find the wife. They can't find her. You know, she's presumed dead. They go back home. And the man is, like, crying upon his wife's bed, you know. And the, the woman from the city shows up being like, hey, like, you you did it? Like, snoo snoo? Snoo snoo? It's, it's on? Like, will we escape into the city? You gonna sell your farm for me? And he goes and strangles a hoe. <laughs> yes. Before he kills her, though, they were like, we found your wife. And he's like, oh! Thank the Lord and throws the hoe to the ground and stops strangling her and goes to his wife. Yes. Presumably not to strangle her. Presumably not to strangle her. And, you know, the wife turns out to be okay. You know, some old seafaring man found her. He was like, oh, I know the tides, you know. I knew where she would have been. I knew she would I looked around the point or some something like that. Yeah. And then the movie ends with uh, the sunrise. Well, with the sunrise and the, uh, the Jezebel... Um, <laughs> being excommunicated from the city. Well, she she's she's, she's like she's like um, leaving in like this cart. You know, there's nothing there for her anymore. So she's she's leaving the homewrecker, as it were, is leaving the village. And that's the thing, because a lot of this movie is about passion, right? Yes. The man feels like there's no passion left in his marriage. He steps out, finds this girl who is giving him a lot of like you know that rekindling that passion a little bit, and then he realizes, well, there's. There's an attraction, but there's no love here. Yes. He has love for his wife, and then they go to the city, and then they have, you know, he they see love, and you gotta you gotta love uh the carnival sequence. I love that carnival sequence. There's some actually like good stuff in there. Well, where they they were just having a great time, they and there was a great like, time. It was it was so nice. It was, was pleasant. There was a little pig. <laughs> there was a pig, and the pig got drunk. He got hammered. The the man ended up finding the pig and returning it. You know, and then and then they 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 got overcharged for some wine or something and <laughs> i think no no they, they're they're um, country bumpkin folks and they came to the big city and they're charging them big city prices for the big city wine yes i don't know it's just a nice movie it's just a nice movie 
it's pretty you know i like it and there is actually and there's a lot of themes there's a lot of other things it's a visually striking movie it's visually very very nice it's hard to describe what the movie looks like you kind of just gotta see it you know like which is fascinating right because we're we've had some images and things like that that we've been able to describe really well in movies we've seen so far but this one is like i there's not many movies i can draw parallels to this no this movie looks very unique especially with all the like the the really good editing that they've done yeah that is kind of like i watched this movie and i'm like i I, i'm not sure how it would look nowadays if they did this type of editing but it looks really cool yeah like with all the superimposing and like the 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 split images and whatnot yeah it's like kind of like a unique thing to this era that they don't do anymore and i'm like i i want more of this but i'm not sure if they can do it nowadays in the same way they do back then i think they they could it's one of those things where i'm watching this movie and i'm i i know this movie is probably influenced so many movies that it's oh goodness that it's like oh i've seen this story a thousand times right like this story a thousand times but how the story is told and how it looks is just so striking yeah it's very very unique and it really speaks to like the genius of murnell which is you know kind of crazy because this is the guy that also did nosferatu which is a hundred year old film arguably still considered one of the most terrifying films ever made and then he makes this, which is arguably one of, if not the greatest film ever made. I can see why people call this one of the greatest films ever made. I don't think there's many movies after it that still that look and portray and give the same effect and give the same like message and visual like storytelling. That's With so as little, good. yeah, it's this so... movie was made in 1927. It's also well, it very... comes out in 1927, so it was probably being made in 1926. Eh something like that well back then silent movies you can crank these fuckers out in about four weeks yeah but who knows how long we're now took with this movie it's true uh, well there probably probably is people who know yeah don't worry about it <laughs> and well the other thing about it it's like this movie is just so interesting to watch it's like that's the it's that's, only not even it's long too that, yeah that's really what i'm coming down to it's so hard to describe why this movie is good without somebody seeing it and that might be why this movie doesn't have as well, much the, the plot is pretty simple i mean it's it's a it's a nice story right it's not like um some of the other movies you get in which you know the the man ends up uh, uh, off with the um with the homewrecker you know and whatnot it, it does have that kind of like it comes back to you know the the traditional relationship you know and it has that kind of that feel to it but like that's a pretty basic story incredibly basic and it's just such a striking movie the way it's told is so good. This is like kind of a parallel to like Titanic, right? I, I'm I'm gonna do this. All right, we're yeah. we're doing a comparison episode. All right, <laughs> that kind of episode. Let's go. So, um, Sunrise, you know, made in the twenties, one of the first films to even have a, a synced up score. The first film. Yeah. And, I mean, was this movie made on a large budget? Do you know? This movie is so old; it doesn't even factor into inflation all i know is that it didn't make a lot of money and the budget estimated estimated like 200 grand and grossed about 120 grand i see yeah so i mean you know this movie probably cost a good amount to make but like i'm pretty sure even adjusted for inflation it's probably not gonna be scratching no titanics here oh hell no (laughs) probably not even fucking close this is 
a two hundred grand and just for inflation is probably a twenty million dollar movie. Yeah. So they both have these very simple stories, right? Sunrise is kind of like more receded in its portrayal, right? It's very um precise. Mm-hmm. It, it's very it know it knows what it's doing. There's no bloat to it. There's no bloat to it. Well, Titanic kind of feels like there's a lot of bloat that it's using this huge paintbrush for for the movie and it kind of like loses that essence of the plot with it. While this one it knows that little essence, the little thing that keeps the this simple story good. And I think that is an interesting comparison because when we talked about Titanic, we made the point that everything about this movie is great, but it feels like there's no soul to it. Yeah. Whereas Sunrise feels like there's so much soul to this movie. There is. And everything around it, it's like it doesn't have this really big, stagey production. It feels like, it all, again, you thought it was filmed on location. It kind of yeah. looks like they just like, oh, they went to like a random city and like just filmed around. Like it feels so like played down. Like the biggest spectacle is when they're at the carnival, right? Yes. And where's the fire display and all that stuff. But other than that, it's like, this movie is so just down-to-earth, real, real basic. Yeah. And it just feels so much different. It and really does. It feels more like like you could have a connection to it, you know? I mean, Titanic, it's hard to feel like, like a, that strong of a connection to those characters because their interactions with each other are so fantastical. And also how they connect to the world around them in, in Titanic. Yeah. It feels like they're they're characters in this in this play, and the, everything around them is more interesting than them themselves. Yes. Whereas this, it feels like the characters are interesting. Everything around them is interesting. How they interact with the world is interesting, and it's like it's really hard for me to describe why a woman kind of getting the flirty eyes at a barber shop. And the husband taking offense to it is one of the most interesting parts about this movie because the it, it really it really is how those two are jealous about the other one and protective about the other one how they have a real passionate thing together, and then you compare it to you know Jack and Rose where it's like it's oh it's so nice and and pretty, but Billy Zane's just a fucking monster. <laughs> what the hell? At least the Jezebel seemed to like she she, she had an objective, you know it. Some reason, it's just a fascinating movie. It's a fascinating movie. It's 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 really interesting. Very small interactions with the characters. I mean, they're kind of played up, you know. But like the seemingly small interactions with the characters and like how they make you feel about like what's happening between them. Like when the man and the woman or the man and the wife go to uh, the barber shop, and there's like a woman there who's like assisting the barber, who oh, she's like the manicure lady. Yeah. And she's like making flirty eyes at uh, the, the man, man, and he has to like, and you can see like it cuts back to the to the wife sitting on the bench, being like, "Get away from my man!" But like you know, there's no t- insert card or whatever or anything like that. It's just you can tell by the way it, she's it, looking. It's a couple of looks, and it's how the eyes shift. That's the minimal amount of acting they're doing, and it's kind of like an interesting thing because you expect that reaction from the wife because that's literally what she just came from, mm. right? Is you know the the home wrecker because that's what I'm going to call her now instead yes. of the lady from the city. Um, but you know she's just coming from that same situation. You know her husband with the home wrecker and whatnot. 
But then when the guy is trying to like brush up on the wife, there's like a guy on like the the bench that sits next to her and tries to like brush up up on her, you know. And the man, when he's done with, he's almost done with his shave. Not not completely done. He just he's he's almost out of that chair. He pushes the barber out of the way, being like, "Hold up, I got I got to do something real quick." And then he he goes up, tells wife, "Go ahead, honey, I'll meet you outside." And whips out a knife on this guy Mm -hmm. and takes the the flower he took from his girl and walks off. Again, like I think that guy might be a psychopath, but he's a damn romantic. It's just so, it's so interesting, like these little little things that happen in the movie. There's also more here because you learn a lot about like who the characters are, and one of them is the dance sequence where they bring up, oh, we're gonna play this song. Yeah, I think it's a Midsummer or whatever, and it's yeah, called it's the peasant, peasant song. Yeah, the peasant dance. And she hears it and she's like, oh yeah, let's dance, let's dance. And he hears it and is like, no, 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 we're not gonna, we're not gonna do this. And it's like he, like she feels so comfortable with who she is. Yes. She's like, yeah, we're farmers, whatever, but we're happy. Like I'm happy who I am. And he's like, I'm not happy being a being a farmer or peasant. I don't like being looked down on. And she's like, just as long I look at you and I am in love with you. That's all that matters. And I'm like, that is that but moment is so is, sweet. The thing is that none of that is there's there's no title card. There's no title it's card. All in, there. It's, it's all inferred by how how that moment is, how they act to people around them, and it's so good. That's something that makes this this movie like pretty unique in my eyes, and that mo- like all of these things are like inferred. It's it's why it's, it makes it's like so hard for me to talk about because it's how you feel about the movie, right? Mm-hmm. Like this isn't such a movie in which we can just discuss what actually happened in the movie. It's all stuff we have to like, we felt happened in the movie. We felt the characters reacted in this way. We don't, we don't actually know, but that's the whole point is that we, we don't actually know. We, we have to infer it ourselves. You you have have to to feel it. We have to feel it. Yeah, exactly. We, you have to feel it. You have to feel this movie, which is so different from modern movies where you're uh, kind of like, told you know they kind of beat you over the head with how you're supposed to feel you know it, it's uh i call it the the marvel syndrome where a lot of marvel movies uh, granted there are some exceptions but a lot of marvel movies aren't trying to make you feel something they're they're just trying to get you along for the ride it's supposed to be an exciting thing but you're not you, you there's no compl- deep complexity where you're trying to like infer feeling and understanding from like the the cinematic story this is like that's this all movie it is. is it's like ripping with that it's it's kind of like music. Music means different things to different people, especially like just pure like classical orchestral music where it's like there's no lyrics. It's just how the mu- music makes you feel. And that's kind of what this is. It's it's a song, you know? It's You're feeling it you're like right. music. You're right. And I, that's the other thing, you know? Love, passion, all these like very deep quintessential emotions of humanity and the music paired with the visuals. It, this whole thing is just how do you feel? And that makes this movie really fucking hard to talk about. Because it it's does. like, you know, how do you how do you feel, man? I'm like, I'm not a fucking hippie. I'm <laughs> sorry. But I mean, like the the movie feels good to watch. Like it, it's a very striking visual experience. You know, it's hard to talk about it in a strictly non-visual, in a uh, strictly auditory, yeah, sense. in a strictly auditory uh, medium. You know, we can't like talk about like the. Like, we can't, like, put up on the screen, you know, like, the the scene and then talk about it, you know? we Like, um, like, the I'll go back to one of the things that struck me the most is, like, him sitting on the, the, the bed, right? And it's superimposing the images of the, the woman from the city onto him. And she's like, 
caressing him and on his shoulder and then there's like her face next to his and, and there's like the face talking to him over him and just she surrounds him she's everything in his and then mind. he like puts his his hands over his head right and then she disappears you know he's trying to uh maintain clarity even though he's being bombarded with thoughts of her he needs post-nut clarity man he needs post-nut one out. clarity fine. but uh, like it, it's such a cool thing that like they people don't do anymore and it's just like it, it's they don't say anything. It's just felt, you know, you know how this guy is feeling from what you're shown visually. Like he, he's being bombarded with thoughts of her and he's trying to throw them out. And that's one of those things. That's a purely cinematic thing. Like you can't really do that with other like artistic mediums, at least not nearly as well. It's a thing where it's like, it's these, it's these, this image of a guy these images superimposed on him and they're moving and they're changing and he just brings his hands up and covers it and it's like it conveys so much meaning and emotion and thought in just that like the that sequence of images right and i wonder if that's what i i'm gonna bring up uh Werner herzog again when he talks about like pure cinema is this pure cinema i suppose this because if that's the definition we'll use i'm all for it it really does feel like it's not using any fancy tricks, really. It's it's mostly it's just images. Well, I'm sure for the time these are pretty these fancy, pretty fucking fancy, probably. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I don't even think they've figured out penicillin yet. This is pretty fancy, but it's like it, this really does just feel like such a pure, distilled artistic vision of of like a cinematic art, and I'm like just so fascinated by it because you've never seen this before right never no i actually knew basically nothing about it other than a broad plot synopsis like real broad and i was like okay and yeah hearing it it's like okay it's this this like sappy love story blah blah blah. and i watched it and i'm like i might watch it after this like that movie was it's so striking like it's so different than anything else i've seen which is so weird because like i can tell this movie is influenced so many stories, so many other films. What is it? Orson Welles, Stanley Kubrick. Um, I mean, this kind of reminded me of... They all love this movie. Well, th- this kind of reminded me of um, some of the editing that was in Mulholland Drive by oh, David Lynch. A little bit, yeah. It's it's kind of interesting that you can even see, you know, l- like Lynch taking influence from this. And you can you can see Which all these... might not even be a direct influence. It might not be. I know he's a huge fan of Billy Wilder and um, Sunset Boulevard. And we watched Sunset Boulevard just not for the podcast, but just like casually. Yes. And I can almost see some hints of Sunrise in that and kind of like this tragic love story going on. It's not it's not so much the same, but it it's really it's got hints of it it's just like hints it's just like it's like a splash of sunrise just just a dab of sunrise in there and it's it's one of these things and that enticement so too where in the that movie he was in, enticed by the woman's like money and able to the ability to like take care of him right yeah well in this movie it's he the the man is enticed by the like whirlwind love with the other woman and the idea of the city he he doesn't want to be a peasant anymore. He wants to be a man of the city. Which that part of the movie is all implied. There's not a single like card that references that or anything. The thought of the man being not okay with his lifestyle, with his living on a farm, you know, and he wants to be a part of the city. That's all implied. Which is masterful filmmaking because I think that's intent. I'm pretty sure it's intended. 
but I'm only pretty sure. I'm not positive. <laughs> that is one of those things where Randy's like, God damn it, write a book so I know. Well, I mean, like, it's just one of these things where it's like, you know, personally, I like kind of mostly clear-cut things, you know, but, like, I appreciate when the things aren't so clear-cut in a really masterfully done way. Like, th- like that, you know, it's not clear-cut whether or not he is resentful of the farm life or just, you know, there's something wrong or, you know, he feels like he's missing something in his marriage or something like that. You know, we, we don't know why he's with the, the lady from the city. We don't know why he's with her. Is it purely because he's lost a passion in there? Is she just like the foul temptress who can, with her feminine wiles, can pull him away? Is it a thing where he just, he does, where she's, she's just a symbol and it's just like, she's his way to the city. Yeah, exactly. But we don't know. But we can feel any one of these things while watching the movie. Man, this movie's a masterpiece. It's really, really good. You want to get to that AFI question? Yeah, sure. We can we can move on with that one. I'm, I, I really... It really sucked because I upset. feel like there's a thousand things to talk about in this movie. I, I really feel upset that we, we do not have that much to, to really convey in this episode about the movie. Because it is just so so much a visual experience. The worst part is it's so hard to find. Is it really? It's so hard to you, physical copies. The physical copy I ordered has been out of print for like fifteen years, and I had to get it from Korea. Yeah, uh, I think you can find it online on like YouTube, but I don't know how good the transfer is, so it might look kind of sketch, and I don't know what the score is on it. Oh, uh, if it's the original score or not? Yeah, and it's like it is a tragedy if this movie ever gets like lost to time. No oh, Criterion, hello. Right <laughs> again, first place I looked, but apparently, um, I guess Fox actually still owns distribution rights to it. Oh, <laughs> I guess they still. I don't know fucking how. This movie's almost a hundred years old, I guess. But yeah, I guess like, there's a few places that have actually released it, but it, I don't know where the rights are now. But I would hope people go out and find this movie. Yes, please try and find this movie and watch it. It is amazing. It's so simple. Yeah, it's so good. It's just one of those movies where it's not so overwhelming. It doesn't try and bombard you with like the, this like bombastic spectacle. Um, spectacle, you know. It is just just down to earth. It's clean. a clean. It's a human story. It's a human story. It's a song of two humans. Oh, oh, oh of course. The uh, symbolism. The symbolism. But yeah. Um, so this on the A five, it's at number. Another thing we can talk about the symbolism oh, okay. though. It, I mean, I know, no, I know, I know. I, I do this. Know. I do this all the time, where I call it, and it's like, no, I'm we're like, not no, no, yet. wait. I got, I got another thing. You know, <laughs> the, the the symbolism of the sunrise. You know, we've talked about the symbolism of the song. Yeah, and the symbolism of the, of the sunrise. You know, the obvious thing being that it's a sunrise on a new day of their relationship of their of their marriage, right? Yeah. You know, and it's it could be also you know it is the sunrise, a new day or a new dawn of a new era of filmmaking. Mm-hmm. Of sound. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing. You can even look at it, it's like, that sunrise, you know, it's, oh, it's the the new dawn or whatever. But they went through probably the darkest time of their relationship. He almost tried to kill her. He almost left her. She was ready to just, like, cast him aside as just this, you know, philandering asshole. And through that darkness, they rekindled the romance, that love, and they came back on the other side to this new sunrise of, like, hope and love, and I'm like... That's even brighter than before. That's even brighter than before. I mean, the 
movie starts at this weird twilight and it's like oh it's symbolizing like the twilight of his marriage when it's about to come up with this new dawn with this girl and when he goes to like do the deed on his wife and it's it's a whole different thing it's a very uniquely interesting movie but on that note of it being more symbolic of like the technology of like the sunrise of of sound you can even see it like that because I think at this point, sound is, is uh, you can't rip that away from cinema anymore. They're now pretty intertwined in the DNA of film. Yeah, now people kind of make an, like, um, people will make a note if there's a lack of it in your movie. And obviously, like, there's not very many silent movies coming out now. You know? I, I know of one guy who still actively tries to make silent films. Really? Yeah, they're experimental, like, art house films. But he actively tries to make silent films. I think his name is Guy Madden, I think. I think that's his name. But I mean, like, stuff like No Country for Old Men. Yeah. Right? There was a lot of use of silence in that movie. Well, well, that's the thing. It's the use of silence, but not lack of sound. Yes. It's silence, but you still hear, like, the ambience of the of the world around yes, you. Yes, yes. But like even, that. even that is a step away from what we're currently at, you know? When, when it's just ambience instead of you know there being a score or there being always dialogue or always like um something always uh noise no i'm trying to go for like uh sound with a purpose right there's mm. there's a lack of sound with a purpose there's just sound yeah and i mean there's also other movies like there was that one movie about the school of all there it was all deaf kids yeah i think it was called tribe I, I, think, I think i think i think that's correct yeah it was it was a foreign film um and the, the film had a score and everything like that but the entire cast was made up of uh deaf kids and it was like at a, i think at a boarding school i think I, I believe so and there i don't think there was any um subtitles so when the kids were signing at each other you weren't you couldn't tell what they were unless you knew american sign language and it's that's another thing. Like, sound has become so... That movie was fascinating. I, I wish I could go see that movie. I don't know where it is or how to find it. But that movie sounds fascinating. That one might end up being one of those, like, movies we have to watch and do it too obscure on. It'll be interesting. Sure, yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah. That, that's not kind of banging. But that, that's... Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. But that's the thing with these, with these movies where sound has become so instrumental. And there's some movies, like David Lynch movies, Eraserhead, Mulholland Drive, Elephant Man... Like, that guy, like, David Lynch is so keyed into sound because sound builds your world. Yes. And that's a, that's an interesting thing. You know, Scorsese is famous for saying cinema is what's in the frame and what's out of the frame. Your cinematic world is what's in the frame, but sound builds everything outside of it. Yeah, I and mean, it's, and it's, there's, it's great. Countless times in movies where they've used a sound cue to signal something has just happened off frame, you know, when the when the character heals, hears something, they turn around to look what's happened, you know, like it's, it's it's a quintessential thing to movies nowadays. But back then, you couldn't really use it. I mean, even there is actually a few moments where they do have it, where they're all the cars come together, there's the horns, and the guys yelling. That was the weirdest fucking thing to me. Really? Well, we heard, I heard human voices in this movie. Oh, yeah, yeah, People yeah. People were, like, yelling. It wasn't synced. Like, it wasn't like, oh, this guy is talking and it syncs up with his voice or whatever. It was more like there was, like, a crowd. It was, like, a, it was like crowd noise that were recorded in, like, a studio. But I'm like, what the fuck? That, that built the world, that built the city so much bigger. Because in the village, it's just this very nice, plain orchestral music. And it's, like, really, like, played down, like, orchestral music. It's, like, yes. maybe, a, maybe, like, a quartet. And then when you get to the city, it's big, bam, blasting noise. And then you have 
the the people. You hear voices in there. You hear the the brass band and the whole nine yards. Even the and I think the whole thing with the voices not being to a specific person also kind of plays into the idea of the city. You know where it's it's kind of like a sea of people. You know, and it's like you don't feel connected to them directly. Mm. It's more of like the idea of the these people in the city. A lot of this movie uses ideas and inference, and it's it's just it's a wonderfully done film, and it sounds wonderful. Really good, really, I, really. Unironically, good. I kind of want to listen to the score by itself and see how it that feels. Might be a little too much. It might, I know it might be a little too much, but I really did like the score. Like it was honestly, good. I thought it was really good. And there is the one where they're in the um. Uh, I think it's the photo guy's place yes. where they're taking the like the new the new wedding photos, and um, the song that's playing is liter is the same song that Alfred Hitchcock used and Alfred Hitchcock's presents. Oh, really? Do 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 do. Yeah, it's I the, didn't even notice. It's the same song he used, which is fascinating because, again, I'm gonna go on with this. This movie has in- apparently influenced every great director of the 1940s, 50s, and 60s. I mean, I'm not really surprised. Like, this movie is just it's kino. really, really good. Is this movie Kino? It's Kino. Kino. All right, go for it. All right, so this movie came in at number 82 on the 2007 list, unseen on the 98 list. Really? Yeah. I guess a bunch of people were probably like, what are you doing, AFI? Like, what the fuck? But yeah, so... At 82, on the BFI, it's number 5. It's on the director's poll, it's number 22. But how is it, how is this so low? I don't know. Do you think this is, like, a really weird thing to have so low on this list? I think so, because it's just so influential and still really good for being made in 1927. Like, there's nothing really wrong with this movie. Like, it, it doesn't have any real shortcomings. Is is this the best movie we've seen so far? Make, I mean, don't make it. You don't have to cement it. Just like top five, top five. Sure, best. it could be probably top five. You think so? Yeah. Top three? I don't know about top three. Well, because I I do very much rate mine on a personal level. Yeah, how they hit. How how thing. how they personally? You know, I felt about them. You know, on a not on a more objective list. Oh, definitely. You think so? Yeah. On a less subjective, more objective list. Oh yeah, definitely this movie is probably like top three best we've seen so far. I, it's one of these movies that I'm like, this has to go up a, like higher. Like I definitely, can't, I can't understand why it's in the in the eighties. Grant, there's some, there's we're gonna get to some banger films where I'm like, okay, I can I can see why this might not make the top. 10. <laughs> sure, I can see that, but like not making the top like 30, 40? That's a little weird to me. Being in the bottom twenty, yeah. So, but we're both in agreement. Stays on. Stays on. Definitely goes up. Definitely goes up. And I'm wondering if there's... What what else is there to say about it in terms of its place on the AFI? In terms of its place on the AFI? Just that it's really influential. Um, there's nothing really like wrong with it as a film itself. So, it, do- it doesn't really have much going against it. Only the limitations of the time. Yeah, and honestly, even with the limitations of the time, it feels like a, it feels so modern in a lot of ways. It does which is feel so very weird. Modern. It's so weird to say that about a movie that's so obviously of its time in the nineteen twenties. I I feel like I'm watching a more modern film, like a movie from like the nineties or two thousands or something like that. Yeah, I'm like I can, 
I'm getting a lot out of it. I don't know why. Except, I'm it, has, this except movie. it has more of a subtlety to it than movies from those eras would. Yeah. At least I feel. Yeah. I feel that, you know, that's another thing. We talked about earlier about, like, the the actors kind of, like, playing up, like, theater acting, right? Because this is a very early movie. That's how a lot of acting was at the time. Yeah. But the movie does have that kind of um, subdued element to it. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of this movie feels so subtle, so... Like, again, James Cameron used a broad strokes two-inch brush. Yeah. And Murnau is using a fine detail, like, two brush. Just yeah. a tiny he's, brush. He's using two hairs taped he, together. <laughs> two hairs stuck together, and he's that, and he's, that's what he's using to paint his picture. And it's really good. Really good. I'm actually pretty fascinated by how they did a lot of the editing in this movie. Really? Like, the technical aspects? Yeah, the, the technical movie? aspects, because, like... I mean, I don't know much about how you actually do these things. You know, I'm not the one that went to film school. Okay, <laughs> so way back in the olden days, which is this, th- these are the old and olden days, mm-hmm. uh, to do a, a um, superimpose like that, you had to get literal two strips of film, film them separately. You had to have her on a re- on a different background so you can do it properly. And then you had to literally melt the two images together. Like, in a chemical bath. And, like, you had to be really good at chemistry to do this. Because you were using basically original negatives. So, if you fucked up... They gotta refilm it. Yes. So, it's... And there's a lot of that in this movie. And there's multiple superimposes at the same time happening, too. Yeah. There's also another way they, they could have done it. Where... And this is really weird. So, they they get the camera. And then, the top of the screen, they put, like, a blackboard. So, it doesn't expose the top of the, the image. They run it, and they're like, all right, cool. Then they move the board down to the bottom and expose a different thing on the top. And then they well, run the Well, I think that's how they did the split um, stuff. But when, like, specifically that scene that I keep referring back to, because it, I, I just love that scene. You're like, it's now my favorite scene of cinema. Um, it's, but the, you could still see the background through all of those images, though. Yeah, that, that's one of those things where it's like how it's exposed, how much, how much the the editor is able to like give in to that image how how much they're able to like manipulate it because back it's a pure chemical process whoever Murnau got to do that like those processes on this movie freaking master I, i'm gonna check real quick because it might have been Murnau himself i don't i don't it, know i mean i wouldn't i, I don't doubt it it definitely could have been <laughs> all right found him his name is harold d schuster he was uncredited film editor the this guy was probably a master of his craft. And to go uncredited. I mean, I guess that was just kind of the way of the times. Is the was, 19 fucking 20s. He, he was part of the studio. <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, you have a job and you're not dying of, uh, of starvation? Yeah, let's go. It's a fascinating thing. I would highly recommend this movie to anyone and everyone. Right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. This is a pretty universal movie. Oh, if you're looking at his IMDb, Sunrise is the first thing he's ever edited. Wow. What a what a guy. What a master. <laughs> what an absolute lad. And it won Best Cinematography, too. And damn right it should have. Damn, damn right it should have. Although, Best Actress instead of Best Actor. That, that one's a little weird. A little strange. I did really like the actress, though. I she, she was, was good. good. She was really good. But I mean, the guy, is, he's the main part of the show. Yeah, he's the main part of the show and he's kind of carrying it. But it's another thing where he seems so gruff. Yeah. And, and rough. And his tumble. his acting is less subdued than hers. Hers is 
Very natural. Yeah. Weird to say it. This is naturalistic acting in a 1927 silent film. Oh, yeah, in a studio. <laughs> yeah. But that's my... I, I guess that's my final uh, stamp on this movie. You should go out and see this. Yes. Find it on YouTube if you can. If you can get the real score, fucking watch it. This movie is is actually one of the best films ever made. You're really, really, really good for how simple it is. It's only 90 minutes, too. Yeah. That's... You can watch... That, that's like three South Park episodes. Yeah. Like, just watch this instead. <laughs> exactly. You'll, you'll get a lot out of it. It's probably more like four or five South Park episodes, but we won't get into that. <laughs> Don't worry about it. But what we will get into is a movie that people have a lot of uh, questions about. Because it's a Stanley Kubrick film. Oh. But it is the only Kubrick film. The only one he did not have full creative control in. And it's the only one he got brought in as a director for Hired for. And it's fucking Spartacus. I can't wait to see it. Also, I'm Spartacus. No. No, you. <laughs> no, you. That's going to be a great scene. But yeah, so we're going to watch Spartacus 1960, starring uh, Kirk Douglas, uh, directed by Stanley Kubrick. He was brought on after Kirk Douglas basically fired the original director, because that's how he fucking rolls. <laughs> and Stanley Kubrick came in and was like, I can save this. And he made it, and it's... Uh, three hours. It's a sword and sandals gladiator war movie. Oh, I can't wait. Julius Caesar is a character in this. It gets really good. I've seen it before. Not my favorite Kubrick, but it, well, it's yeah, pretty fucking good. I, oh, I can't. I can't wait to do this episode with you because this this man's has like 2001 space odyssey posters at least three or four of them up on his walls <laughs> this guy's got like the two different biographies on stanley kubrick I'm, I'm he's got a, all the movies i'm a huge fan he, this this man uses every last breath to fillet <laughs> stanley kubrick fuck all i can't wait to watch this movie he's a great director but uh yeah i can't wait to watch it you'll probably get some airs of ben-hur in this oh yeah and uh yeah um but that's going to be next week on the Film Odyssey. And if you wanted to keep up with that, you can go to our YouTube channel, In The Frame, on YouTube. You can find the Film Odyssey podcast as well as the Film Club podcast. Uh, you can also find us anywhere you can find podcasts. That's Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere and everywhere. And uh, follow us on Instagram at the Film Odyssey podcast. And uh, with that, any last words, Randy? A sunrise over a beautiful new day of our marriage. I thought you were going to speak quiet because it's a silent tone. No, you. All right, everybody. You have a good week. Yeah, have a good time. <laughs> <laughs>